It is my privilege to be your pastor. It's my privilege and blessing by the Lord to change my plan from Isaiah to take a break for a week or two and to give you something differently that would focus more directly on the Lord Jesus Christ. Messiah the Prince is my subject today from the last four verses of Daniel chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 8 has the greatest preaching service recorded in the Bible. And we are told there what proper preaching is. It is to read in the book in the law of God distinctly and to give the sense and to cause them to understand the reading. So I'm going to be doing some distinct reading and I'm going to be explaining the sense of some verses and hopefully bring you to understanding what God intended for us. Messiah the Prince, there is no greater subject, there is no greater person than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This covers the prophecy of 70 weeks found in the last four verses of Daniel chapter 9. Let us read it in our Bibles. Some of you in the front row may think it's a little dim, but I want you to see it in your Bibles to know where it is, or if you're using one of your personal devices like a cell phone, that is okay as well. I don't want to read from a slide yet, though we will be doing further reading from slides. Daniel chapter 9, the last four verses, verses 24 through 27. I will read to you. I hope you can see it in your Bible. Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate amen and amen. amen. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Who is Messiah the Prince? Messiah equals Christ. Messiah is the Old Testament word. Christ is the New Testament word. We're told that in two places, that Messiah interpreted is Christ. John chapter 1 and John chapter 4, and it means the anointed one of God. So why did God deliver Judah from the Assyrian Empire because of the anointing, because of Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Messiah is in the Old Testament only two times, and both of those occurrences are right here in our four verses. And it occurs two times in the New Testament, but of course, when a Hebrew word comes into Greek and then into English, we don't get Messiah, we get Messias in our New Testaments. Both Old Testament uses are right here. Now, what is a prince? I know what you think. A prince is a son of a king who has been sent off to school and plays on the football team or rows on the rowing team. But that isn't what a prince is. and That is not the general definition or meaning of the word prince. A prince is a sovereign ruler, a monarch, a king. For instance, if you were to open your King James Bibles, the dedication says, to the most high and mighty Prince James. Because prince is a higher title than king. Prince is a glorious title. If you understand it in its general sense, the Bible tells us this in Revelation chapter 1, that Jesus Christ is the prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one that God sent for his people. This passage before us is transcendent, meaning it is of extreme importance and greatness. The person, Messiah, and that word is only found twice in the Old Testament, is in this passage twice, is why the universe exists. The universe doesn't exist for you. The universe exists for God to display His perfections through His Son, Jesus Christ. He was announced to the world in Eden when God told the devil to his face, that the seed of the woman is going to give you a fatal wound to your head. And immediately we're told about the coming of the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ, by a virgin birth. The Bible is all about him from cover to cover. His arrival and work on earth was timed here. Nowhere else, here. Timed. The arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would do was timed to the year in Daniel chapter 9. He came and fulfilled these transcendent promises. Tremendous things that I read to you in verse 24. He would put an end to sins. He'd make reconciliation for iniquity. He would bring in everlasting righteousness and three other things that affected the Jews more than us. And he would be anointed as the most holy. This passage is important for you personally. Some are more important than others because they tell us more about the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament, we're told by Paul repeatedly, is more important than the Old Testament because it's a better covenant than the Old Testament. It's built on better promises. The B word is Paul's choice and the Holy Spirit's choice. The New Testament is better. The mediator of the New Covenant is better than Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. Everything is better in the New. And we thank the Lord for the New. We thank the Lord from time to time in this church that we were born on this side of the cross so that we would have the benefits of the New Testament. This passage is dense. It's the densest four verses in the Bible by two measures. Dense. The number of details of significant value jammed together in one place to give it mass and density. It is dense with glorious gospel detailed truth. And, And it is the snare of so many to promote fables about prophecy. My slides, which you were not going to get to today because I'm not going to go that far because it's contrary to my purpose. My slides end with 20 heresies that come out of Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And that's not all of them. That's just to get somebody warmed up that wants to do a study 
of how many heresies come from those four verses. So uh, by those two measures, the density of the good material there with specific timing attached, then the number of heresies that come out of it make it a very important passage for you to know. And I want everyone in our church to understand it. Remember, it takes a little knowledge to believe something. More knowledge to teach something. A great deal of knowledge to defend something. The young men in this assembly, I want you to be able to defend this passage. Not just believe it, not just teach it, to be able to defend it. Because there are so many heresies concerning it. You should know it for the truth's sake, and you should know it to be able to defend it against heresy. This passage leads perfectly to what we're going to celebrate at the end of our second service, and that is the Lord's Supper at the Lord's table. It leads to it perfectly, and I thank the Lord for His direction and leading. Seventy weeks of Daniel. Let's consider it. God showed Daniel what would happen to Israel. Remember, the passage began in verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined. God showed Daniel what would happen to Israel. For those of you that read Daniel 9 last night, you saw that Daniel, by looking and studying Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a contemporary of Daniel. Daniel was in Babylon. Jeremiah was back in Jerusalem before Nebuchadnezzar leveled it. But Daniel came to understand that the captivity that he was part of in Babylon was only going to last 70 years. And he realized he was at the end of that 70 years. And so we have one of the greatest prayers recorded in the Bible in Daniel chapter 9. And you can see the passion of a man like Daniel praying. And God, while he was, did you enjoy the words, while I was speaking? God sent an angel with an answer while he was praying. And that's, we would like answers like that. And I believe if you pray as effectually and as fervently as Daniel did, you'll get answers as fast. Um... Futurists say this is the most important prophecy in the Bible because this is where they spring some of their inventions from that are not found anywhere else in the Bible because they can twist obscure phrases. They're not really obscure to invent what they promote. We also emphasize it for its details and time limitation. They get a seven-year tribulation out of it. They get an Antichrist deal with Jews mentioned nowhere else in the Bible. By the way, the Antichrist has nothing to do with the Jews, not even close, never, not, not a second cousin, not a distant cousin. There is no relationship to the, of the Antichrist with Jews. Right. The Antichrist is not found in the book of Revelation. The term is only found in the epistles of John, and it is described in detail in Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapters 12, 13, 17, and 18, but it has nothing to do with the Jews. And so that's just confusion right off the bat. And I don't even like mentioning that because that's not my purpose. They come up with a third temple. There's only two temples. The Bible calls them the former and the latter temples, and that is all there is and that all that there ever will be that has God any part of it. They bring up animal sacrifices are going to be restored in the future by the Antichrist having a deal with the Jews. They put a gap of 2,000 plus years in. See, they don't believe in a 70 weeks prophecy because it's already at 353 weeks of years. They don't believe in a 70 weeks prophecy. They turn the gospel upside down by taking the things in this prophecy that apply to Jesus Christ and applying them to the Antichrist. Right. And I've taught these things before. I taught, this in, I taught this in a few slides 500 sermons ago, and I taught this in a detailed outline 600 sermons ago back in 2013 and 2014. 70 weeks of Daniel. 
you know, this part back here, I have to mention it because you're going to run into confusion if you talk to anybody about the 70 weeks because they don't understand it. So I have to mention it, and I don't want that to be the priority. The priority is the six things of Daniel 9.24. And confirming the covenant with many for one week and being cut off in the midst of the week, but not for himself. Those things are all about our Messiah dying for us. And so that's what we want to emphasize. We get to glorify Messiah the Prince, our Lord Jesus Christ today. They turn Messiah into Antichrist the Prince. We get to confirm the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Everything is fulfilled in Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27, and fulfilled perfectly and fulfilled overwhelmingly for anyone that wants to read the New Testament and believe it. We get to identify and correct prophetic heresies. And we get to follow the remnant of Jesus as we just heard about in 303 AD, the Bible tells us that persecuted group of Christians during the Dark Ages, what does it say about them? They kept the commandments of God and they had the testimony of Jesus. They had the testimony of Jesus. Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is the testimony of Jesus and we're going to keep it. And we're going to keep it from being applied to anyone else, especially to the Antichrist. Here's a brief outline. I shared this with you uh, last night for your preparatory reading and devotionals. The setting, Daniel understands from Jeremiah that his captivity and the captivity of the Jews in Babylon was only going to last for 70 years. Then he prays, what a prayer. Then Gabriel sends an answer, what an answer. And he came to give him understanding. He didn't come to confuse him. He didn't come to make him guess at some gap that we're going to stick into something that God promised would be 70 years duration. And then we have the prophecy, which is what we're dealing with. So that's Daniel chapter 9. It's easy enough to understand. Now I read it to you again. You say, isn't that a little redundant? How can you be redundant with the Bible? Amen. Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks. It looks like this. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Daniel's people, and upon thy holy city. So it's about Jews in Jerusalem. Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up the vision and prophecy. And number six, to anoint the most holy. What a verse. When I said it is dense, that is dense. It gives you a time of six phenomenal things. Thank you, Lord, for Daniel 9.24. We love every word of it. 925, know therefore, don't guess, don't speculate, know therefore and understand, don't wonder, understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, know therefore and understand that when a commandment goes forth to restore And to build Jerusalem, that is the starting point of the 70 weeks. Unto the Messiah, the Prince. 
Jesus Christ our Lord, shall be seven weeks and, which looks like this, plus three score and two weeks, which brings us to 69 weeks, which is 483 years, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Jerusalem would be rebuilt, though they would have some opposition when they came back from Babylon, as we well know from several books of the Bible that are dedicated to that, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, and so forth. There's verse 25. Unto the Messiah the Prince shall be 69 weeks. So 483 years, 69 weeks, does not include Messiah. It only gets to him. Are you able to follow me? It only gets to him. Now, I'll repeat that five different ways over the next few minutes that we'll spend together. But uh, that's Daniel 9.25. Heavenly Father, thank you for Daniel 9.25. Thank you for showing us the truth and the beauty of it, and to see your sun shining through it, all four verses of it. Daniel 9.26. After means after. Okay, I, said, I showed you what unto meant. Well, after means something like it, because it's saying, and after three score and two weeks. Why I mentioned the seven again, that seven again, since the seven came in front of the 62, that would be redundant. So this is 69 weeks. After 69 weeks shall Messiah be cut off. He would be killed, but not for himself. God would not let his son die for himself. God let his son, God sent his son. God was pleased to bruise his son. For whom? For us. And there's a colon, second only to the period in ending a thought. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. Oh, it's going to be destroyed again. When was Jerusalem destroyed again? Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it in 507 B.C. When was it destroyed again? In 70 A.D., destroyed again. The people of the princes shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That was the second temple built by Zerubbabel and added on to by Herod the Great. And the end of this particular war and conflict with the Romans under Titus, Vespasian, Caesar, therefore shall, thereof shall be with a flood. That means they overwhelmed them in the end. And under the end of the war, desolations are determined. And Jesus spent much time talking about the desolations that he had determined to bring upon Jerusalem for killing him and rejecting him the way that they did. Daniel 9, 26. After 69 weeks, because it's three score and two, which is 62, plus the seven that comes in front of the 62 that it's not mentioned for the sake of brevity and being unnecessary, Messiah would be cut off, not for himself, but for us. Verse 27. And he, the Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah the Prince, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Seven years. One week. This is the 70th week because Jesus didn't come in the 69th week. Jesus didn't die in the 69th week. Jesus did that in the 70th week. And he'll confirm the covenant with many for one week. And this one week is the 70th. And in the midst of the week, in the middle of the week, well, how long would that be? If a week is seven years, how long is in the middle of it? Three and a half years. Ask any Christian. How old was Jesus when he died? 33 and a half. How do you know that? They have no idea. There's only one place right here. Only one place right here. Oh. So, if he didn't die in the middle of the 70th week, then how old do you know he was when he died? 
they're granting our understanding of Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Just, just throwing that out. That's, that's not worth very much, but you know, some of you, when you hit 33 and a half, you want to tell me I'm the age Jesus. I remember when some of my sons hit 33 and a half, it's the son, it's the age Jesus was when he was cut off. I mean, it's the prime of life. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Do you want to hear some words? And let's see if you can put that together. It is finished. Amen. And the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, and the sacrificial system ended. The sacrifice and the oblation ceased. God no longer cared about the animal blood because his son's blood had been shed, and we could have bold access into the presence of God ourselves. Amen. In the midst of the week, when he died, when he was cut off, after, when he was confirming the covenant, the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, those abominable Jews and their hatred of Jesus Christ and their murder of the Son of God and their murder of the apostles, for the overspreading of abominations, he, Messiah the Prince, King of the Prince, Prince of the Kings of the Earth, shall make it, that is Jerusalem, desolate, even until the consummation and the Jews dispersed throughout the whole world where they've remained for 2,000 years. You say, but they're back in Israel now. No, they're not. When was the last time you looked at an almanac to find out where the Jews are in the world? You know, until, until the last 10 or 20 years, there were more Jews in New York City than in Israel. And that determined, because God has determined this, shall be poured upon the desolate. Because he was going to bring them to desolation. If you desolate someone or something, then it can be called desolate. There we are. There's the four verses. This is the well-known 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel. It is special by its great content and precise timing. The time was fulfilled when Messiah was known right. unto Messiah the Prince. When was Jesus Christ of Nazareth known to Israel? When was he made known? There was a very important event. We'll get to that. It will make you angry about all the errors that come out of this. Ask somebody if they believe in a seven-year tribulation. Yes, I do. Show it to me in the Bible. They can't. There is no seven-year tribulation in the Bible. I grew up believing in a seven-year tribulation in the Bible. Bob Jones pounded it into my head further. So by the time I left Bob Jones University, of course there was a seven-year tribulation in the Bible. And if you'd asked me, where's the seven-year tribulation in the Bible? I just, uh, let me get a concordance. Seven-year. No, that doesn't work. Tribulation, yeah, I can find a few occurrences of tribulation, but never in connection with anything about seven years. And so I thank God for salvation from believing a man-made invention of C.I. Schofield and others that no one had ever heard of before 150 years ago. This prophecy is easy because Gabriel said it's going to be easy. I am come to give you understanding. Right. Know, therefore, and understand. It is not complex. Amen. Brethren, some of the chapters that we've covered in Isaiah 1 through 31 have been difficult. Some of those verses are very difficult. Some of the wording is very difficult. Daniel 9 is not difficult. Right. And Gabriel said it wasn't. So it shouldn't be. It demands the year-day rule. 70 weeks is only 1.35 years because it's only 490 days. See, days. So that's not enough time. How will that get us from some decree to rebuild Jerusalem all the way to Messiah? It's got to be 490 years to reach from Cyrus to Messiah. Cyrus was in 456 B.C. He issued the decree for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. 
And Jesus in 27 AD was baptized by John the Baptist and he died in 30 AD. He didn't die in 33 and a half AD because he was born in 3 BC. And all you got to do is go online, look up in a Google search box and type in, did they make an error in BC AD when the man that invented it put it together? And it'll tell you that Jesus was born in 3 or 4 BC. This, this thing right here is very neat in the Bible, the year-day rule, that some of God's prophecies will stay a period of time like 70 weeks. Well, we know that there's 52 weeks in a year, so 70 weeks is going to be one and a third of a year. It's only one and a third of a year. Well, one and a third of a year doesn't, isn't going to get you anywhere in history. And so it's the year-day principle. For each day, you assign a year. So there's, there's 70 weeks which is 480 days, and you assign a year to each one, and you get 480 years. No one has a problem with this. All of our opponents, all of our adversaries, they all understand this, that one in the third years don't get you anywhere. This has to be the year-day principle. And when you go through the book of Daniel, you need the year-day principle for a chapter? You don't. You do, you don't, you do, you don't. When you get to Revelation, you do. you got to have the year-day principle to cover the, the Dark Ages because it's called 1,260 days, that's 1260 years, or it's called 42 months, or it's called time times and half a time, which is one year, two years and a half a year. That is three and a half times 360 is 1260 is 42 months of 30 day months. It all is the same amount of time, but when you're in the book of Daniel, when you're in the book of Daniel, you gotta read the context. Right. And the context will tell you. This context tells us to get Daniel and the decree to rebuild Jerusalem from Cyrus to Jesus showing up takes about 500 years. It can't be literal days, literal weeks. It's got to be weeks of years. No, listen, nobody has a, nobody misunderstands that. Oh, they probably do somewhere, but I've never read them. It covers the dark. Okay, I've already explained all that. Now, remember, I wanted to give you an example. In Daniel chapter 8, there is a prophecy called 2300 days. And there, you better take those days literally because the context very clearly tells you all 2,300 days are fulfilled within the Greek Empire. The Greek Empire only lasted a couple hundred years. There is no way 2,300 years can fit inside the Greek Empire. But God told us in Daniel chapter 8 that it fits inside the Greek Empire so that it's literal. And those six and a half years are when Antiochus IV, Antiochus Epiphanes, profaned the Jewish temple by offering swine's blood in there and then it was delivered by the Maccabees. That's all in the Bible and recorded several different places in several different ways. But remember, William Miller, with a Bible of Concordance stuck in a closet, found Daniel chapter 8 in 1820 and calculated 2300. If I start with 456 BC when Cyrus makes a decree, which isn't in Daniel chapter 8. If I start with 456 B.C. and add 2,300 years to it, I come to 1844. Cool. It's 1820. The Lord's coming. Well, Daniel chapter 8 isn't anything about the Lord coming. And so we have the Seventh-day Adventists and the Jehovah's Witnesses came out of one man not wanting to learn the book of Daniel right. Both of them came out of the same Advent movement, which in 1844 they thought the Lord was coming in March of 1844, Seventh-day Adventists sold their stuff, gathered around, stood in white robes in certain places. Jesus didn't come. So they redid their calculations. It's October of 1844. They tried it again. It's called the Great Disappointment in American Religious History. 
because Jesus didn't come because there's so many errors with it. But my point is the 2300, the timing, timing, those are literal days. You say, how can it be literal days in chapter 8 and figurative prophetic days in chapter 9? How can it be that? How can you do that? On what basis and authority do you do that? Paul's authority. All good Christian boys memorize this verse before they're 12. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So the word of truth has divisions in it that need to be made. So we divide it. Chapter 9, by context, which context is always the most important rule of study, context tells us those are figurative prophetic days. Chapter 8, since it all has to be within the Greek empire. Oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't want to get off track. But it's there. The time was determined. The time cannot be modified. The time cannot be suspended. The time was determined by God. Every man that fears God will see only 70 weeks. Every man that fears God will see only Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no reason to insert any gap. Inserting a gap denies God because he said it's determined to be 70 weeks and it corrupts the prophecy by assigning it somewhere else. Gappers are Bible deniers. Those who insert a gap cannot even start it right because they pick Ptolemy rather than God for Cyrus. See, Ptolemy was mixed up. He was a mixed up pagan astrologer in Egypt. And all the Bible chronologies that you have in your center column are based on him. And so he has Cyrus living in 538 B.C., well, wait a minute, 538 B.C., 490 years. That isn't going to get me to Jesus. I'm going to come way short. Yeah, because Ptolemy was way short. Bible-believing chronologers have known that Cyrus was 456 B.C. when he made his edict. They start the 70 weeks with some act of Artaxerxes, which is nothing compared to Cyrus. God, Cyrus was God's favorite, God's shepherd, God God gave us Cyrus's name 150 years before he was born. In Isaiah 44 and 45, the name Cyrus is there, and Cyrus doesn't even exist yet, but he would. God plainly declared that Cyrus was his servant in Isaiah 44 and 45. Cyrus ordered the city to be rebuilt. So that's what I meant right here. You know, those who want to put a gap in it, they didn't even know how to start the prophecy. Here we go. I want, I want to back up about Cyrus. I want to tell you about Cyrus. This is Ezra 1, verses 1 and 2. This is the same as 2 Chronicles 36 and the last two verses. The Lord, the Lord wants us to know about Cyrus. Right. So it's the last two verses of Chronicles. It's the first two verses of Ezra. Now in the first year, that didn't take him long, of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, that is the 70 years, captivity in Babylon, the Lord, our God, Jehovah, when it's in all caps like that, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Amen. Our God moves the hearts of kings like the rivers of water. Right. He turneth them whithersoever he will. Amen. That he, Cyrus, made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. Praise the Lord, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Amen. And he, the Lord God of heaven, hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, 
which is in Judah. And it goes on to say, all of you Jews that would like to go back, go back and rebuild that city and rebuild that temple, and I'll pay for it out of tax revenues beyond the river. Isaiah 44, 28, that saith of Cyrus. Now Isaiah wrote this 150 years before Cyrus was born. That saith of Cyrus, this is what God said, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. How much of it? All his pleasure. Even saying to Jerusalem, oh, this is a commandment coming forth, thou shalt be built. And to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. Cyrus is going to do everything I need to have done. Listen, that's all you need. If you're a Bible believer, that's all you need. You don't care what everyone, anyone else thinks. Cyrus starts Daniel 9. Period. Period. If you're a Bible believer. Right. Isaiah 45. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Wow, that's strong language. Cyrus was the Lord Jehovah's anointed, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. He defeated the Babylonians. I will loose the loins of kings, Belshazzar, while he's toasting his gods with Jehovah's sacred vessels from the temple. They left open the gates in the Euphrates River so that Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian marched their armies into Babylon. The gates shall not be shut. They took the city in one night without a fight while Belshazzar was partying. We've been over that many times before because we've already encountered it in Isaiah. Chapters 13 and 14 was all about that event. God still speaking. I have raised him, that is Cyrus, up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. He won't do it for price. He won't do it for reward. He'll do it because I've given him a charge to do it. Praise the Lord. History is his story, meaning his story, meaning God's story, our Father in heaven. Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined. We've already proved that it's 480 years. There is little to no confusion or debate about the 70 weeks being 480 years. When God determines time, no man can alter the timing or the events. God forbid they should ever attempt it, but they do. 70 weeks are determined. Do you think Gabriel meant 480 years plus 2,000 plus years? Because remember, all the futurists claim the 70th week hasn't been fulfilled yet. Because they've applied it to some invention of theirs called Antichrist. Now we know there's an Antichrist. He's the little horn of Rome in Daniel chapter 7. He's the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2. We know who he is. No room for mysterious church gap. See, they want to stick a gap in there for you and me. That for 2,000 years, all the Gentiles believing on Jesus Christ is a mysterious parenthesis unknown to the prophets and never thought of, and God had to resort to it because the Jews rejected his kingdom message. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been studying Isaiah and finding out that Isaiah was prophesying of us Gentiles and, and nations flowing to the ensign of Jesus Christ right off the bat. Right, right. Schofield thought to defeat God's determinate counsel by confusing this entire prophecy. Before him, nobody believed it. Go back and look at the old commentaries. They all understand Daniel 9, 24 through 27 because it's simple. Daniel 9, 24, upon thy people and upon thy holy city, it's about Jews and their city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was destroyed, the Jews scattered in 70 AD. The timing is strictly tied to the following six events. When it says 480 years, here's what I'm saying. 
480 does not get from 456 B.C. to 70 A.D. But the destruction of Jerusalem, though it's mentioned in verses 26 and 27, nowhere is it attached to any of the 70 weeks. Right. Okay? That's, well, that's what I'm saying. It was for a city and people, this prophecy. It starts off that way. It's for Jerusalem. It's for Israel. Jesus described their end within his generation. History confirmed Jesus Christ and his generation. Daniel will later identify the same timing at the same time in, in, the, in another prophecy. No time for that. Earthly Jerusalem is entirely irrelevant after 70 AD. Earthly Jerusalem. Why? Why is earthly Jerusalem irrelevant after 70 AD? Because Jesus Christ and his Father leveled it for killing the Son of God, and there is a new Jerusalem. Right. It's the Jerusalem which is above. Galatians chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 12. There is a spiritual Jerusalem which is above that Paul said, as a Jew, he said to Gentiles in Galatians chapter 4, which is the mother of us all. Because we're part of a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. Spiritual is always greater than physical. Paul said the things that you can't see are far more important and eternal than the things you can see. The things you can see are temporal. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Six important events would occur. The main object is settled. Six things by Messiah. The main object. What's the main object? Seventy weeks to get these six things done, Daniel 9, 24. The determined certain time is settled. Within 480 years, these six things would be done. That's what it says in Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon my people and upon my holy city to, and it lists six things. Six important events would occur. And that's what I want to preach to you today. And we're going to get halfway there before our break. And we'll do the six things after the break because I can feel that happening to us. The focus is on Messiah the Prince, Jesus Christ. The focus is on Messiah the Prince, Jesus Christ. Nowhere else is he called Messiah the Prince. But in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, there are obvious, clear, overwhelming, tsunami-like fulfillments to all six events during the ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord. Inserting an unknown gap denies God, who said it was 70 weeks only, and denies Christ because it gives those prophecies to Antichrist instead of to Jesus the Christ. Right. Terrible. It is terrible. But the truth is glorious. We want to focus on that. Daniel 9, 24, the six things. I don't have to number them again, do I? Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, and here is number six. There they are, six things. Oh, brethren, you know how much I love and I've tried to teach you to love 1 Timothy 3.16. Do you remember 1 Timothy 3.16? Some bold soul want to quote it to me. But without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. We're going to get a list of six things. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Where can you get a condensation of what we believe like that? One verse, six things. And here we have six things. No Titus, no war, no 70 AD, six things, just a glorious Savior. These six things are a match for the... Well, I think I just said that. 
Imagine the expectation of Jewish believers that knew they had a timed prophecy right. about their Messiah. Right. Should there have been an expectation? Or were they waiting for some future cyclops to come with the United Nations stamp on his forehead? Because look what it says, Luke 3.15, And as the people were in expectation, what in the world were they expecting, and why were they expecting it then? Because of Daniel 9.24-27. through 27. When is this? 27 A.D. The people were in expectation because they understood what we understand. Thank you, blessed God. And all men mused. They wanted to know about John. Was he the Christ because it was time for the Messiah to appear, or was he not? They understood. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. Oh, yes. But one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and he's going to burn your nation to the ground. He's going to baptize you with fire. But they were in expectation. Back to Daniel 9. These six things are the meat of the prophecy to love. Titus and Roman legions in 70 are mentioned but they're an afterthought compared to the real work of the Lord Jesus Christ. These six are the work of Messiah alone, our Savior, the one who I want to preach to you today. Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled all six within 70 weeks. It's It's just fantastically beautiful. All prophecy in the gospel are about his great work. It is blasphemous heresy to turn intent to the Antichrist instead of to Jesus the Christ. Why 70 weeks? If these events occurred in 69 weeks, why is there a 70th? Because these events occurred in the 70th week, in the midst of the week. For a week he'll confirm the covenant. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Did the Lord Jesus Christ ever, ever say this? This cup is the new covenant. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Did he ever do that? Is that confirming a covenant? We'll show you. Let's rejoice. That's why this is perfect for the Lord's Supper. Amen. When we take the cup and say the words of our Lord, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, we are fulfilling what occurred in the 70th week by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it has been perpetuated for 2,000 years. Amen. It took seven weeks to rebuild the city and 62 more to get unto Messiah. Messiah fulfilled God's determinate counsel in the 70th week. He also told of judgment on Israel for killing God's son. That's the most monstrous event in history. Adolf Hitler isn't the biggest monster in history. Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong, whatever they want to call him these days, whatever they call him these days, is not the biggest monster in history. Joseph Stalin isn't the biggest monster in history. What's the biggest monster in history? Caiaphas and Annas. The high priests of the Jews. Pilate was determined to let him go. Peter preached in Acts chapter 13, and they would not let him let him go. I've already been over this with you. I emphasize the unto. I emphasize the after, pointing out this. Why are there 70 weeks? Because it's the 70th that's important. Okay? 
That only gets us unto Messiah the Prince. It's after the 69 weeks. Let's jump to 925, working our way through it, phrase by phrase. What am I supposed to do to be your pastor? Read in the book and the law of God distinctly, give the sense and cause you to understand the reading. We're going to come back to 924 after our break because that's what I want to lead us to the Lord's Supper are the six things he did for us. Right. So let's move into 925. In, highlighted in white, know therefore and understand. Gabriel gave Daniel clear knowledge to understand. The event starting the prophetic clock would be plain. Israel was waiting in 27 AD, as I just showed you, from Luke 3.15. Israel was waiting. They were expecting because the time had expired. It is impossible to understand an unmentioned gap. How in the world can God give a 70-week prophecy, which is 70 weeks of years, which is 490 years, and have some man come along and jam some indeterminate gap into a determined prophecy. They call it an indeterminate gap. What did God say? A determined prophecy of 70 weeks. It is impossible to understand an indeterminate gap, an unmentioned gap, because there's no gap mentioned. There's no gap suggested. It's impossible for there to be a gap in a dated timed prophecy like Jesus gave, like, like Gabriel gave to Daniel. It is blasphemous to insert a gap in a timed prophecy because you're making God a liar. He said 70 weeks of years, and that is it. And it's all going to happen, and it all did happen because Jesus Christ fulfilled it. That from the going forth of the commandment, Cyrus commanded, and I've shown you the Bible, there the Bible references are, commanded Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Not Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes had nothing to do. He had no decree even comparable to this. Cyrus is God's man. God picked Cyrus before he was even born and named him. Scripture exalts Cyrus's order. It is arrogant or ignorant rebellion to suggest anyone else. And so they don't understand 70 weeks, and they don't understand the start. They make God a liar twice. The commandment to rebuild Jerusalem was Cyrus. Don't ever let anybody else suggest any other option, because the Bible tells us that. And second, the 70 weeks are not 353 weeks like they are as of 2019. They are 70 weeks, because they don't even have the 70th week fulfilled yet. No other king has any role even close to that of Cyrus. Scholarship damns. Too much learning is ruinous for your ability to understand truth because Ptolemy put Cyrus at 538 because Ptolemy was guessing. And all the men that have studied Ptolemy know he was guessing. He did not have adequate records of the Persian Empire. And he made it 80 years too long. And those that have studied it know that. And that is how we reconcile Ptolemy to the Bible. The Bible's true. Ptolemy needs to be reconciled. Rejecting Cyrus proves blindness, and their ideas end up being very blind because they lose sight of the Lord Jesus Christ in this wonderful prophecy. Unto Messiah the Prince. Notice, I've been over this. It takes a period of time unto him. That means he comes after. So there's going to be 69 weeks to get to Messiah the Prince. He's going to be in the 70th. Therefore, Messiah starts the 70th, commences the 70th, because the 69 get us to him. There should be 483 years from Cyrus to Jesus Christ. There is from 456 B.C. to 27 A.D. 
When was Messiah or Christ made known to Israel? At his birth? You say, well, there were some shepherds that went into Bethlehem. There were some wise men that came. When did the whole nation know that they had a Messiah on their hands? At his baptism. Because that's when he was anointed by God. For 30 years, he lived in total obscurity. And John tells us in John chapter 1, maybe I have those here. You know, in, in verse 24, it says that to anoint the most holy. When was Jesus Christ anointed? With real oil, called the oil of gladness in the Bible. Right. The Holy Spirit. At his baptism. Right. The 70th week started by John's baptism of Jesus. There'll be seven weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. The 70 weeks are divided into three parts. Seven weeks, that's 49 years, in order to build, rebuild the city of Jerusalem. 62 weeks, 434 years, is the intertestamental period that the Bible doesn't say very much about except by prophecy to get us to Christ. Then there's one week of the Lord Jesus Christ doing his great work on earth. The rebuilding had trouble. All you got to do is read Ezra and Nehemiah to find that about these 49 years here. Is there a gap between the 7 and the 62? Yep. No, there's no gap between the 7 and the 62. But people want to put one after the 69th, before the 70th. But there's no gap. You can't have a gap in a timed prophecy. And three score and two weeks, it took 49 years to rebuild, another 434 to Messiah. You can check Malachi, Daniel for his prophecies, the book of Maccabees. You can read about Herod the Great and find out about what went on in those 434 years as Israel degenerated again so that when Jesus arrived in the scene, they were a mess. And so John the Baptist blasted them as soon as you open Matthew chapter 3 and read the first word to the Jews. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? God's about to burn this place up. The fan is already in his hand. He is going to gather his wheat into his garner, and he is going to burn you chaff up, you generation of vipers. That's John the Baptist's opening remarks. There weren't very many left after he got done with his salutation. The events of this period are in Daniel's other visions. Here's what it looks like. Seven weeks. That's 49 years. Then we have 62 weeks which is 434 years. Then we have this final week over here, which is seven years in total. Here's what we've learned so far. In 456 BC, Titus, um, Cyrus made a decree for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. And it was in 27 AD, Jesus is baptized. 34 AD is the end of the seventh week. He was cut off in the midst of the week. Decree of Cyrus to rebuild Jerusalem. These, this is the seven weeks. Troublous times is what it calls it. Troublous times. 49 years of trouble. We can read about it. It's the, it's the, uh, minute, the work of Jer- Zerubbabel, Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah, Nehemiah. These men were in that 49-year time period. Remember, God sent Haggai, God sent Zechariah to stir up the builders of that 49-year period. Jerusalem, the city, is finally finished over here after 49 years. I hope you understand that 
mental, that visual picture that a Cree of Cyrus, right here, 456 BC, then 49 to uh, have the troublous times of rebuilding the city and the temple. Then we have 62 weeks. Jerusalem, the city is finished. That's where we ended on the previous slide back here. Jerusalem, the city finally finished. Jerusalem, the city finally finished. And then Jesus is born about 3 BC, and he's presented to Israel by John the Baptist in 27 AD. And you can read about that period of time in Malachi. This is Alexander the Great. This is Antiochus IV of the Seleucid Empire. The Maccabees record this, Herod the Great, and so forth. You can read about that intertestamental period. You say, well, where's the 70th week? Well, we're, st we're only at verse 26. Be patient. Daniel 9, 26. And after three score and two weeks, the first seven weeks are ignore ignored to re avoid redundancy. So when it says after three score and two weeks, it intends after three score and two weeks and seven weeks, because the seven weeks come in front of it for 69 weeks in total. What should after mean? After three score and two weeks. What should after mean? What week is an event in if it is after 69 weeks? It has to be in the 70th. It has to be in the 70th. When it says after three score and two weeks, yes, the 70th week is not separated. It has Messiah's death. We're not going to put a gap in our Savior's life. There's no gap to put there. It doesn't say to put it there, and you're making God a liar to put it there. There is perfect fulfillment, and you have... Our adversaries have none fulfill, fulfillment. It's all speculative ideas of what they think the future holds, and they miss the glory of what Jesus Christ did while he was on earth. Putting a gap between 69 and 70 puts the gap in Jesus' life. This is very key. Messiah's work is after 69 weeks. This is very key. His work is in the 70th week because that's when he's going to be cut off but not for himself. That's when he's going to die for you and me. Is in the 70th week. Right. After three score and two weeks. Because it's going to tell us in the midst of the week. He is going to stop the, sacrifice, the sacrificial and oblation system of Moses. Which he did when he rent that veil from top to bottom. Amen. Who would kill Messiah? The Jews did. Why? They wanted an earthly ruler, not a spiritual one. Who, why did he die? Not for himself. For us. Right. Did the things determined in 924 need his death? They absolutely did. To make an end of sins? To, to, recon, to make reconciliation for iniquity? To bring in everlasting righteousness? We, have, we need the death of the Savior. That's why it's in the 70th week. Jesus died to save sinners sometime in the 70th week. Do we know when in the 70th week? Yes, but it's the next verse. You're looking ahead. Yes, we know. It's in the midst of the week. Shall Messiah be The next verse tells us when Jesus died in the 70th. He died in the midst of the 70th week after three and a half years of ministry. Jesus died to save his elect after three and a half years. Isaiah 53 says he was cut off. He died for his people. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. Daniel here tells us when this would happen. This is why we have communion and when it began. And the people of the prince, the Jews killed their Messiah, so God destroyed them. Listen, the biggest monsters were Annas and Caiaphas. Why, why did God level Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar? Well, the Bible tells us they hadn't kept the Sabbath day. The Bible tells us they had put, Manasseh had put some idols to gods that required child sacrifice in the temple. So those are pretty bad events. Those are pretty bad men, but those are nothing compared to killing the Son of God that the earthly tribunal that sat in judgment on him said he was innocent. That was a monster crime, and God destroyed Jerusalem for it. When were the city and the temple destroyed? 70 AD. It is a terrible shame that men can graduate from a Bible college, men can graduate from seminary like my poor father, and have a Master of Divinity in a seminary and not know anything about 70 AD. Be ignorant of history and ignorant of a hundred different verses and their fulfillment by the destruction of that city. That is the worst tribulation the world has ever seen. Hiroshima and Nagasaki were little picnics compared to the siege and destruction of Jerusalem. 67,000 died in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and they died in about one second. 1.1 million died in the siege of Jerusalem, and many of them ate each other, and they ate their children because God had said that's what they would do, and they did it. It was terrible. It was terrible. Prince Titus, son of the Emperor Vespasian, brought the Romans. He was prince in the sense of son because Vespasian had been executing the expedition against the Jews, but Nero died. He was recalled to Rome. He became the emperor, and he left the legions in charge of his son Titus, and Titus brought them against Jerusalem and destroyed it. And the end thereof shall be with the flood. The Roman-Jewish war is not tied within the 70 weeks. It just says the end of the war with the Romans would be over, it would overwhelm the city. It had been long determined. War is not of the six things, because those six things are listed up in 924. I want you to notice something, though, as we look at these last two verses. There's a division in each of the two verses, so that there's a parallelism between 26 and 27 that will help you understand them. Note the parallelism and division in verses 26 and 27. This is verse 26. Notice that what I'm underlining is about Jesus, and what I'm not underlining is about Titus and the Romans and what they're going to do to the city of Jerusalem for what they did to Jesus. Right. The first half is dated. Please note, if you want to learn, please note the first half is dated. The second half is just about war and it's not dated. One of the key New Testament prophetic warnings was this war. This war is huge in the New Testament. Here's 27. Notice, I have a little line drawn there again because... He, the Messiah, will confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Inside that 490-year time period, in the midst of the week, Jesus died after three and a half years of ministry, confirming the covenant that God had made to save sinners and causing the sacrificial system to end. And then you have a little bit tacked on about the war. 
Note the parallelism. The first half is dated about Messiah. The second is tacked on about the war. And it's one of the key prophetic warnings in the New Testament about this war. Right. <coughs> Daniel 9.27. We're to the last verse. But remember, after our break, we're going to come back to the first verse so that we can go through those six things with New Testament Bible verses causing us to shout glory. Amen. He. What is the antecedent of he? Messiah or people? People is a subject noun of verse 26. Is he singular? Then it needs to be Messiah. And it's a perfect fit, ten different ways. And if you make it anyone else, you'll be destroyed by anyone with an eighth grade education. If you make it anyone else. He, Jesus, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. The prince in the previous verse is not a subject. It's the people of the prince. He's the object of a preposition. He is not the subject. Noun, he is Jesus Christ. The prophecy is about Messiah and six things he did. The verse is perfectly fulfilled in all details by Jesus Christ during his ministry. Do not let Satan or heretics make Jesus the Antichrist. It's Jesus the Christ. It's Jesus Messiah the Prince. And what he did on the cross of Calvary for us. That that is the transcendent event of time. Jesus dying on the cross. It's the transcendent crime of all time. What they did to him. Surely there was going to be punishment. How many people died for David numbering Israel? All David did was number Israel. Come on. That is not a very big sin. Don't fire me yet. How many died for David numbering Israel? 70,000. God is very serious about crimes against him, and they killed his son. He shall confirm the covenant. Jesus confirmed the new covenant. Think communion, like I've already explained to you. He confirmed the covenant. Messiah, messenger of the covenant, as he's called in Malachi 3.1, brought peace. The New Testament is all about the new covenant. That's why it's called the... What is the New Testament called? The New Testament. It's new. It's called because it's the new covenant. It's the New Testament. It's not Moses. It's Christ. It's not animal blood. It's his blood. It's not getting to Canaan. A bunch of a sandy place over there in the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. It's getting to heaven. Right. Hebrews 13, 20. You, look at this. He confirmed the covenant. Let me give you a few verses from the New Testament about this. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Yeah, you bet it's a covenant. We, we're saved, but we're covenant salvation people. And we're not Presbyterians. We're Baptists. We are saved by a covenant that God made with Jesus Christ for us. And there it is. This is my blood of the New Testament. Testament equals covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. After the same manner, Paul told us to use the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament. The New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. He confirmed the covenant. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry. The New Testament is better than the old. Jesus is better than Moses. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, 
which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, that's the Jews under the old covenant. He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And Paul said in Hebrews chapter 8 that it had been fulfilled. It had been fulfilled. Hebrews 9, 15, For this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. How are we saved? By the Second Testament. Animal blood never saved anyone. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Those Jews that kept up their animal sacrifices, God burned them up in fiery indignation and wrath in 70 AD because they trod underfoot the Son of God and His blood that was shed for the remission of sins, and they went back to animal blood. My Jesus is better than the ox of a bullock or a goat or a lamb or all of them. Hebrews 12, 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Okay, let's relax. I just want you to know when it says he confirmed the covenant, I think he confirmed the covenant, and the covenant is in Jesus Christ. Do you know what they want to make that? That's Antichrist making some covenant with the Jews. Where is that found in the Bible? Where is there a covenant that Antichrist is going to make with the Jews anywhere in the Bible? Antichrist doesn't have anything to do with the Jews. It's amazing. From the very beginning, there has been a war against the seed of the woman, right. the Lord Jesus Christ. Every effort is made to take away the glory of the Son of God. Right. And so we love Daniel 9 for what it tells us about Jesus Christ. I, was, I couldn't preach Isaiah 32 and 33 to you today because it didn't have enough about this Messiah the Prince. Right. This is why we're here. We're going to have communion. Isaiah 32 and 33 weren't going to really serve communion very well. But I, I'm going to set the table for communion today. Amen. I hope I just did with some verses about the covenant. Amen. When we get to that cup, we should be shouting glory. Amen. For one week. There is only one week left after 7 plus 62 equals 69, the 70th. Messiah was cut off after the 69th week or in the 70th. Jesus Christ was crucified for others in the 70th week. From his baptism to death with three and a half years, See the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John shows that Jesus attended four Passovers. For you to attend four Passovers and no more, how long were you there? How much time is covered by four Passovers? Three years. Plus time before it, because he died at the Passover. Time of the Passover. Jesus confirmed the New Testament by himself and his apostles. Jesus confirmed it with his apostles, with his ministry, and then his apostles perpetuated it. He was cut off for others in the midst of that 70th week. How do you know Jesus died at 33 and a half? Only by this text, which I've mentioned. Jesus, John confirmed it by the Passovers. Jesus is the only one cut off. He's the only one confirming. He's the only one acting. Jesus Christ, Messiah the Prince. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. His death ripped the veil. He cried, it is finished. 
And with a loud cry, he gave up the ghost. Right. And the Bible says the, temp the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Recall the things of number two through four. Make an end of sins. Make reconciliation for iniquity. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Do those three things need Jesus' death? Yes, they do. And Hebrews confirms them all. Jesus totally ended the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Do not let Satan or anyone make Jesus the Antichrist. They replaced the New Testament with restored animal sacrifices by some contract between Antichrist and Jews. The Bible Antichrist, as I've said, is totally unrelated to Jews. Jews in Jerusalem were finally desolated in 70 AD. Jesus prophesied it, that it would come on that generation. Jesus had promised their desolation during, on those men. From Moses to Paul and others, 70 AD ended Israel. All weeks are fully accounted for, including the 70th. This is the last verse of the four verses. There is no need for a specific event in year 490. You say, really? Yeah, I could speculate. I could throw out lots of events. I think it was the stoning of Stephen and, and, the, uh, and Paul unleashed on the Gentile world. I think it's uh, all the preachers and teachers from Jerusalem except the apostles being driven out with the persecution of and death of Stephen. But I'm not going to tell you that because that's speculation. We don't, we don't need a four, an event in the year 490 specifically because this is a prophecy of weeks of years, not a prophecy of years. Right. And we are given very dated material that Jesus is in the 70th week and Jesus died in the midst of the 70th week right. and he confirmed the covenant for a week. And did Jesus confirm the covenant for a week? He sure did. He confirmed the covenant as soon as he began his ministry, that he was the fulfillment of the covenant of God sent to redeem his people. Mm -hmm. Then he confirmed it at the Last Supper. Then he had his apostles confirm it after that. Right. But remember, it's a prophecy of weeks. We don't need an event per year. We need an event in the 70th week. In verses 26 and 27, give them to us. Jesus is baptized. Jesus is crucified. Jesus rises again. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, confirms the covenant, and ends the sacrificial system of Moses. It's all stated. It's all dated. To ignore 70 AD biblically and historically is terrible because you miss so much of the Bible. Futurists are ignorant of Antichrist and the timing because they don't understand that passage. They don't understand the little horn of Daniel 7. They're ignorant of Daniel chapter, I just said that, and chapters 10 through 12. There's no evidence anywhere of an Antichrist treaty. Nothing even close. It's total speculation and imagination and hallucination. They deny his salvation and his judgment of the Jews. They deny a clear prophecy to invent a tribulation. These Jewish fable-loving futurists corrupt the truth. Lord, help us. Here's what it looks like. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, one week. Those dates. Troublous times. 70 weeks up here. I mean, seven weeks. 49 years. The troublous times to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Described in the Bible. The 62 weeks. That's the intertestamental period. Described in the Bible. Described outside the Bible by Josephus and the book of, books of Maccabees, which are not authoritative. They're, apocry they're apocryphal writings. But Jerusalem, the city, was finished. Messiah, the prince, presented to Israel by John's baptism in 27 AD. Now we have a new slide. The timeline of the 70th week. Messiah, the prince, presented to Israel by John the Baptist. John, 
Baptist. Yes, he's called that in the Bible one time without a definite article in the middle. John Baptist. And that was in 27 A.D. Messiah the Prince presented to Israel because we had 69 weeks unto Messiah the Prince. So this is in the 70th week up here. 70th week. And there's a week of confirming the covenant to Jews. That covenant was first of all confirmed by Jesus Christ for three and a half years and by his apostles for three and a half years. It's a, it's a week. It's a week of years. In the midst of the week, right here in the middle, midst of the week, Messiah cut off. We can read in John that there were three and a half years of, Je of Jesus' ministry. We have the apostles given all the authority of Jesus Christ. We read about Pentecost. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. We read about Stephen. We read about Paul. The covenant's confirmed. Paul just unloads in the book of Hebrews. As I already showed you, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. The new promises are better than the old promises. The new mediator is better than the old mediator. What a week. And it's yeah. dated for us. It's timed for us. And the Jews understood it because they were in expectation. Right. We aren't in expectation because we're 2,000 years later. We're just full of joy at the 70th week. Yeah, I'm not going to bother you. You know, I stuck 10 of these in here to show you that they have no clue. I mean, look at this. Who, who gave them the authority to do that? Who gave them the authority to do that? It's blasphemous. Unbelievable. Look at Who gave them the authority to say that Cyrus wasn't the man and Artaxerxes was. This is, this is childish drawings in a nursery someplace. See, they just make a big puff of smoke there. The church is absent from Israel's prophecy. You know, we're just a, we don't really exist, folks. The mystery church age. I didn't think there was a mystery in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. I thought that Gabriel said he came to give understanding. Therefore, know and understand. Uh, sorry. Okay. That means it's break time. What about the six things? Finish the transgression. End of sins. Reconciliation for iniquity. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Seal up the vision and prophecy. Anoint the most holy. Oh, yes. Who's the most holy? The Lord Jesus Christ. Was he anointed in that 70th week after 69 by John the Baptist? John said, I was told that who I baptized and the Holy Ghost came upon him and remained. He is the Son of God. And that I was to make him known to Israel. And he did. And he did. Andrew Andrew and Philip were standing there beside John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, that's the Lamb of God. Andrew and Philip said, goodbye, John. Did John appreciate that? Oh, yes, he did. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. That man's ministry was only to identify Jesus Christ. Andrew went and got Peter and said, I have found the Messiah, 
which by interpretation, thank you, Lord, for your Bible, is Christ. Mm -hmm. Let me show you. And Andrew took Peter. Philip took Nathaniel. They met the Lord Jesus. It's all in John chapter 1. Amen. Please stand with me. Heavenly Father, we are totally indebted to you for every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and for every bit of understanding or knowledge that we have of it. In ourselves, by ourselves, with our effort, with our intellect, we would know nothing. We would despise the Son of God as much or more than any. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for opening our hearts like you did Lydia to understand the things that you've shown us in the Bible. Thank you for giving us a love of every word of the word of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the food in America. Thank you for the food that's been prepared for us now. Bless our fellowship around it. Help us to stir each other up to love the Lord Jesus Christ more than we did when we came. That this day will have been for our profit and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.